Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got a busy show this week. Katie Flower here to dissect our feature topics. I am Chad Parsons out of uthdynasty.com. And we've got Hunter Renfro, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, and we're going to talk a little Ravens backfield here a month into the season. And Katie, uh, I got some prequel information, but let's just kick started. Open, uh, open platform here for Hunter Renfro, a little state of the union. What a story. And obviously he had one of those big non-offensive plays on Monday night on special teams. Just another football IQ moment for Hunter Renfro out of Clemson. What are some of your thoughts and where we sit? Um, I know I don't have, I think I might have one share across 40 plus leagues. So wasn't one of those draft him in the fourth round coming in as a rookie. And he came out producing to a requisite level enough that he probably hasn't changed, changed, changed hands outside of a trade since that moment. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that is just, a Ronnie Dangerfield type, you don't really think twice about him. But when you look at what he's doing, if he's on your roster, you know he's contributing. And in fact, somebody that you can reliably start week to week, at least this season and even in seasons past. He reminds me a lot. He's a little bit smaller size-wise than Julian Edelman, but he reminds me so much of him in the toughness and the way that he can get open. He runs that slot like it's his And, you know, that tackle that he had this weekend just shows his toughness. He was a walk-on at Clemson, which is rare. Clemson had a lot of great receivers and great quarterbacks at the time. He won national championship. So, you know, he was always one of those guys that you just overlook and overlook and overlook. But I just got him recently. A non-contending team offered him to me for a couple different options. And I ended up uh, countering and I got him for a third, which I thought was very reasonable. And, you know, I would look if, if you're a contender, I would look and see if anybody's fallen out of it. If they've fallen out of it, throw a third at Hunter Renfro, see if you can get him. He's worth rostering, especially if you're losing any uh, depth from injuries or we've got the bye weeks that are going to start soon. Uh, He's very reliable, and I. it took Julian Edelman five seasons before he got to where he was fantasy-relevant. Hunter Renfro's there in season three. Yeah, I think you brought up some good action plan points there of just the, the proper depth he provides where if you're going to roster, say, one more wide receiver, then you know beyond your core guys, and frankly... I think Renfro is turning into a core guy. You know, he had good moments. He was consistent, maybe not the biggest ceiling. We're seeing some better ceiling and and certainly an improved weekly weekly outlook for him in a wide receiver core that it's a pass it around group with the Raiders. And to say that he's not going to get a second deal from the Raiders, stay there, good ecosystem. And he was you want to talk about nondescript, one percent score 
in the projection model. So yeah, everybody, Clemson, maybe not you know bringing him on as a walk on, but just recruiting. Uh, you know the draft process, midday three pick for a guy that I think he was a critical element of them winning the national championship. Uh, Might have had that was it the winning touchdown in one of those two games. Um, so the point is everyone overlooked him, but he was on the positive track. You know for a day three guy producing eight nine points per game in year one, year two as well, taking a step forward this year. He's top thirty. He's top 30, 14 points per game. I mean, and I looked up in the model. So I was looking for guys that could be overlooked, guys that are, you know, 190 pounds or, 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 or smaller, guys that weren't overly athletic, guys that weren't, you know, that were non top 100 picks. So this is a- exactly what Renfro was. And here's the most successful guys who are actually big peers in terms of producing in the first year or two, just like Renfro. We have Jamison Crowder, who has been long term productive. You have Antonio Brown. You want to talk about a high-end guy that took a little while. Uh, it was a big depth chart to overcome there in Pittsburgh. And then you have Danny Amendola. And basically, only Crowder and Brown had similar year three spikes like we've seen now. It's a month. But he doesn't really strike me as a game that's going away. And I remember a year or two ago on my competitive teams where you can start three plus, four plus wide receivers in a given week. I was looking at Cole Beasley, who was much older, by the way, at the time, but looking at him as someone that I could get for fourth round picks. I have more shares than five years ago with Cole Beasley because the price was good. And I think with Renfro, you have a potential window, like you said, with Edelman and some of these other types that he maybe is around for your team for the next three plus years, not talking five plus years, you know, or big, huge windows, but he is a stabilizing force. If he is your wide receiver, five, six, seven, that is like you said, even if you don't plan to use them every week, you can injuries bye weeks you may have higher upside options you want to play, but that's valuable. Just like getting Cole Beasley for fourths and things like that. I think the third is a good price considering he's much younger and we're seeing just a more stable ceiling, at least four weeks in a row here than Beasley, maybe at his absolute peak, I'd have to go back and look if he ever had a, you know, a season where it's kind of looking how Beasley, is, uh, excuse me, how Renfro is this year. But yeah, I think what you said, which is, you know, if you can give a third, you know, even if it's super flex, whatever, I mean, that's a valuable depth option where you don't really like to go poking around the waiver wire for a wide receiver. You'd rather spend your time and attention elsewhere. And so just getting, uh, getting him as one more option out your wide receiver core is valuable, valuable depth and basically depth plus. And here's a couple of more stats that I look at for wide receivers and whether or not I think they're going to give me that three-year window or, or such in the three-year window that he's already had 2019 to 2021 in 2019, 69% catch rate, 2020, 72.7% and an improved 73.3% catch rate. So he catches the ball more frequently than his peers. And he's also been increasing in targets. He's averaging seven and a half targets per game. And at that high of a catch rate, that's money. Yeah, that's four or five plus catches a week. And he doesn't need high volume. Some guys that are more vertical threats, you know, yes, they might have the perfect storm, 125 yards and a couple touchdowns. But having that... 10, 12, 15 points that he can reasonably get is pretty darn valuable. And the, I guess the last point I would make is just there's no bona fide go away wide receiver one on this team. And Derek Carr is a distributor who is open. 
Renfro is open a lot, you know, and Brian Edwards, he's making strides. You've got, uh, you've got Henry Ruggs making steps in year two. You've got Darren Waller, basically the de facto wide receiver one here. And so you've got a lot of pieces, but he's going to gravitate towards what is open. He is not one that has a special connection with a singular player. So I, I just think this is a perfect storm situation right now. Maybe if Waller was a, maybe a downgrade slightly at tight end would open up a few, uh, an extra target or two a week for Renfro as a possibility. But other than that, I think you have a very good ecosystem for Hunter Renfro. And we already, we already said the action plan up front. Um, so you ready to go over to Mike Williams here? Next yeah, player sure. up on the board. Absolutely. Uh, what I like about Mike Williams this year, uh, the, the last couple of years, he's been putting up some decent yardage and his yards per reception have been, you know, 20 and 50, 16. So pretty good for that. He's always been that contested ball type guy, but he has elevated from a 56.5% catch rate to 65.7%. He's catching the ball at a higher rate so far this year to say whether or not that's going to stick. I think he has very good chemistry with the young quarterback. The young quarterback is not only a gunslinger, but he's he's an accurate passer. He can fit that ball into that tight window that Mike Williams likes to bring that ball in and take it from there. So I don't think he's a flash in the pan. He's been around, you know, middling on our benches for the last few years I think there's now some consistency there that aging Philip Rivers and now the transition to the young quarterback, I think will help Mike Williams stay consistent. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of points and then we'll kind of talk about a little action plan uh, going forward here. But, uh, you know, I had some skepticism and part of that was just the historics. You don't see around one wide receiver break out this late. Now, what was uh, aligning for Mike Williams, as well as Corey Davis, to some degree, we'll talk about him in a few minutes, but with Mike Williams, he was, as you said, relevant and productive still. He was not a Nikhil Harry type or John Ross or some of these others that are trending way towards the bus track, and they produced a fraction of what Mike Williams has. So there is a difference between I'm not breaking out, but I'm still relevant on a depth chart. And you know, a lot of people thought that maybe Josh Palmer or somebody else was going to pass him this year, and that he was old news entering year five. And it's just so rare to break out this late. His uh, basically Devontae Parker is that closest example of just waiting and waiting and waiting. And right now, Mike Williams is doing better things than Devontae Parker during his big, big and biggest year. But 57% in general, round one wide receivers hit for a top 24 season. All but 7% of that 57% are in the first three years. So this is definitely a like bottom 12% in terms of time-wise outcome here. I mean, I'm sure in some, some shallow dynasty leagues, maybe FFPC or something, that he was maybe even dropped this offseason uh, or available for a song you know, at a minimum. And the reason I was skeptical was that just this, you know, the historics of it, the, set, the other part was Keenan Allen, clear wide receiver one. Typically, you don't want to invest and think that two top 12 receivers are going to come out of an offense. We saw it with Roddy and Julio. We saw it with uh, you know, Julio, I think, and Calvin Ridley might have also gotten there. I think we saw a different version of the Cowboys offense in the last five plus. Maybe it was the Miles Austin 
period. Correct me if I'm wrong, Katie. I think that was another one that had two top 12 guys for uh, a season in time. And I thought they had decent wide receiver three options. We saw something from Jalen Guyton. They drafted Josh Palmer. And I thought uh, Jared Cook, I was bullish on him. You got Austin Eckler, big time pass catching back. So I just really didn't think there was room. Now, what went uh, awry was that I, I didn't, well, awry meaning of what I thought would happen, that the strong quarterback factor means anything is possible. You know, if pa- Patrick Mahomes could produce a lot of fantasy relevant guys in a passing game, or, you know, uh, I would say there's four or five other quarterbacks that could do the same thing. We're seeing Josh Allen do that. Dak Prescott. There's a lot of production to go around in this Chargers passing game. Then they turned out to be no wide receiver three presence. So that was another variable opening things up. And I thought that, you know, that, that, Allen was going to have a clear, clear heavy favorite over Williams in terms of, of target share. And week four, in my opinion, was an aberration. Mike Williams fell down and he had a big, you know, bomb dud outcome. But the first three weeks, they were neck and neck, Allen and Williams. So when you think about what teams are going to cover, it's a lot more Keenan Allen than Mike Williams. Now, maybe that changes in four weeks or six weeks or whatever, or by team, but in general. And then Jared Cook, to me, has been a little tepid based on expectations, maybe not you know week four withstanding. So I think a lot of those factors just all turned out to be the perfect storm. And I think this is also a reminder about both of these guys. We weren't doing it with Corey Davis, but maybe with Mike Williams is that be more patient with strong pedigree of guys that I think Mike Williams, he had a big touchdown season. He also had a season with a thousand yards. He just didn't put those two things together. He's had a little bit of injuries, but you know, that's a guy not to fade in retrospect, right? I mean, strong top 10 pedigree guy that's still locked in. You got a big quarterback, be open to the possibilities would be maybe one of my big takeaways for future reference. Right. And because he did have a bad week four. And if you look at it, he was targeted 12 times in week one, 10 in week two, nine in week three, four. He was only targeted four times for one reception in week four. This is the perfect time to buy. If you want to secure him on your roster, I would think that the owner might think, oh, no, he's coming back to where he normally is, and I might as well get what I can get for him. Or it could be a rebuilding team that's 0-4, 0-whatever, and they look at this as a 27-year-old wide receiver that hasn't really done a lot. And again, let's just get what we can get. Okay. Uh, I got a few example trades from the past week or so. Wanted to get your input here just on price ranges of maybe are these selling opportunities? So we've got in a super flex, Williams for Deshaun Watson. I would take Deshaun Watson there. Okay. Uh, We've got for J.K. Dobbins. Probably I would take Dobbins. Okay. And, and these are re, these are perfect rebuilding trades. If you have right. Mike Williams, you're selling production, you're getting guys that won't help you for this season or AKA won't hurt you. And then you're getting stuff for the future. Uh, Brian Edwards and a 22 first in Superflex. I think that's a good out. If you want to be out of Mike Williams, I think, you know, pivoting to another first, right? Yeah. The future first, but also Brian Edwards does have that possibility, yep. uh, very similar size, very similar game, just, you know, a couple years younger, you're resetting the clock on that. And then you're also getting the first on top. 
Yeah, I think these are good ideas. So the first and a relevant player you like with upside, or maybe it's someone that helps you as a contender. You like, so you have options, you know, there. And typically, just as a reminder, pivoting, you know, this is obviously dropping down in perception uh, at wide receiver quite a bit and picking up a first. But if you're going more straight up or something like that, you're going to have a better chance pivoting to another position like we outlined with Dobbins or Deshaun Watson in those rebuilding settings. All right, another similar case, and I'm just going to lead it lead it to you, Katie, but the same things apply with Corey Davis. Entering year five, this is his best season to date. He's actually fringe top 24 um, as it stands right now. Uh, I think I looked at, uh, is he 26? Uh, something like that. So, so he's right in that zone of, of becoming a year five plus hit, which is so, so rare as I outlined. So do you feel differently about Corey Davis uh, in terms of where he sits compared to Mike Williams? Not really. I think that they're both very similar. And, you know, the fact that they came out together, there was the big debate when they both came out as rookies, which guy was better. And, you know, some people lean Corey Davis, some people lean Mike Williams. They've pretty much both had very similar type career arcs. And the biggest thing holding Corey Davis back right now is his young quarterback. They do have chemistry. They showed up and showed out in preseason. But as of right now, Corey Davis has a catch percentage of 55%. Not that good. But last year with Ryan Tannehill, he was up to 70.7%. He can find that if Zach Wilson can find him, I think. I think that that's been the, the missing piece. But as far as starting game, and then he's had one done. So very similar to Mike Williams in that same vein, in that same range. He's a little bit younger by half a year. So again, you could either use this as a chance to get out if you're a non-contender and, and reset the clock, or it's a probably a decent time to buy Corey Davis if, again, four games into the season, you don't know everything about your team, but you have a little bit of an inkling as to whether you're going to be a contender, where your strengths are, what you might need to shore up. And it's easier to preemptively shore up a few things and pay a little bit less now than it is to wait until you're dire straits and you're up against the wall and you have to fix a position. And then everybody in your league knows that you do, then they can pretty much hold you over, you know, hold the barrel over you or however Doug used to say that, um, get the barrel and hold it over you. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got a buy coming up. He's got a middle of the road schedule after the buy. And then it gets a little bit easier towards the playoffs. It all depends on Zach Wilson, though. Yeah, I think it's a completely different calculus on, on Corey Davis because he's the clear wide receiver one. We do have the variable of Jamison Crowder coming back. He's been an always relevant guy uh, who actually had a higher target share than Corey Davis in week four. But a lot of questions otherwise. You know, Elijah Moore, what's his impact going to be? They really have minimal running back and tight end presence in the passing game. Like you said, I mean, the one good news, you know, that if you have a weaker team, negative game script, you know, that you're going to have opportunities to just chuck it around the yard for almost half a half a game. And hopefully you have a little more success than otherwise. Um, but, but yeah, you would think there's going to be some progression with Zach Wilson as the season goes along. 
And Corey Davis is locked in. So he would be one that he could actually benefit from a quarterback improvement in year two as he's locked in contractually at a pretty reasonable rate for a number one alpha wide receiver. And he has looked the part. You mentioned the catch rate being low. There's been a there's been five plus of Corey Davis's targets. There aren't really targets. They're literally sailing 10 yards over. They're kind of overthrows and bailout plays from Wilson. So yeah, I, I mean, I think they have had a connection. We saw that in the preseason. We saw that early in the season. And so I do wonder if the pie is going to get squeezed a little bit with Jamison Crowder, if he's healthy and, and back. But I think there's enough for two quality wide receivers. And I, don't, I think there's plenty of questions beyond those two guys that you say, well, where's the ball going to go otherwise? They could both have 25-ish percent of the targets and not really be a problem. Um, so, so yeah, that. I, I think the ceiling is probably a little lower here, at least for this year, than Mike Williams, just because you say, well, one of them has Justin Herbert. Like That's like a no-brainer on on what a, 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 a weekly ceiling could be in a best case. But I still think Corey Davis is pretty solid. And I know I get a ton of sit-start questions about Corey Davis versus running back or wide receiver X. His start rate has been very solid this year, and it's for a reason. It's a number one wide, uh, number one wide receiver on a team that's probably going to throw the ball a decent amount. So it might be ugly targets. It might be Brandon Cooks like of like, well, you don't really want to watch the game, but you want you'll be okay with the box score afterwards with the Jets. So um, all that and, and Corey Davis is the guy that again. I look back to in Tennessee. He was winning. He was playing well. He just wasn't getting the box score numbers that everyone wants to gravitate towards to say, I'm all in on this guy. So he's a quality player. He's in his prime these next two, three seasons of saying, if this quarterback works out, if he ends up elevating from what we're seeing now over one to two seasons, you're going to be happy you have him. He's the most stabilizing element, maybe Elijah Moore, in this whole passing game that can grow together. And they already have the chemistry. So from a developmental standpoint, and we don't know about Mike Williams. Is he going to still, is he going to go somewhere in free agent a la Kenny Galladay or some of these others where that might be a downgrade if you chase the money? So that's going to be interesting to see if their situations are actually different coming up in 2022. I think of the two, Corey Davis, if you're looking big picture over the next two to three years, I think Corey Davis might be the better buy because I don't think he's going to cost as much. Like we talked about a first plus, we talked about Deshaun Watson as some price points. I don't think Davis costs that. No, I agree. And again, it's pick your poison, pick your, uh, you know, if you need a wide receiver, I think both of them are worth going after for reasons that we illustrated. I certainly see your point with the upside. The question mark is, how long will it take Zach Wilson to really get to be where he can feed him consistently? And I don't know that it's, it's the jets. <laughs> right. I, but I do. Garbage time points count for fantasy. And, and so, as you said, it may not be pretty, but practical. I do think historically speaking, the most likely outcome for Corey Davis as the wide receiver one for the jets, because they're probably going to be a bottom eight passing game. And in that quarter, you're looking at probably wide receiver 25 to 40 or so for the wide receiver one. And that's where Davis is right now. I would expect him to have obviously moments inside the top 20 in big games. And frankly, those are the ones that matter most for your team. So if he has three or four of those over the remaining 12 of your fantasy season, I think you're going to be happy with that and be okay. Cause you know what? You're going to have these dud games by every wide receiver of two catches for 11 yards, you know, one catch for 14 yards. And you're just going to be like, ah, oh, 
You know, you screwed me, but you really didn't get screwed because you're starting three or four of them and it's bound to happen in rotational fashion. It's the big games. It's the 20 plus point uh, factor. And Davis has that. Davis has that in any given week just because of game script, but also big play waiting to happen. And Wilson, the last thing I'll say is bold downfield thrower. That's a big positive. And Denzel Mims is not a part of this passing game. So Corey Davis is that vertical threat here. That's, that's the good thing is he could go off for a 50 plus yard touchdown any given week because he has that brandish and aggressive downfield thrower as his quarterback. All right. Uh, we got the Baltimore Ravens running backs. Uh, you know, they have an all-star unit for what, five years ago in, uh, in fantasy running back circles. They're all here. They've had a litany of injuries. Uh, where do you stand? Because we've had some wrinkles in recent weeks. Look like it might be Tyson Williams to start the year. That lasted about a half. They've been trying out different iterations of three guys getting touches and getting reasonable snaps on a weekly basis. Where do you stand now a month in? Well, I think your question to me in chat was, are there any of these running backs that you want or think that will be anything long-term? And the answer is no. J.K. Dobbins will be back. Gus Edwards may or may not. I don't know what his contract is. But Tyson Williams isn't it. He was all right at the beginning and a good fill-in if you needed that week. And that's it. Latavius Murray is on the older side, long to 31 years old. So I think that for this season, he might be the most beneficial of the backs. But I'm not interested at all in Devonta Freeman. I'm not interested really in Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I think I think with Freeman, I mean, he's a dynasty cut. I mean, you got to be pretty deep to hold Devonta Freeman past this week with Le'Veon Bell being back. I think that, man, that inactive a few weeks into the season for Tyson Williams is a pretty yeah. big, pretty big tell of we don't think you're better than the other guys. We wanted to kick the tires on Le'Veon Bell. And I didn't think when Le'Veon Bell signed there, he was that great of a fit either. I mean, you're talking about more of a patient plotting type that, I mean, that's a Gus Edwards. Why was he successful? Because he hits it. He hits the hole that is created by Lamar Jackson's threat. And that's not Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is going to dance his way to, to three to eight yards when it takes the offensive line a moment to block stuff. That's not how the system works. I thought it was a quizzical addition when they made it. Um, yeah, doesn't it feel like the Tyson Williams window is just gone? I mean, yes. so if yes. you have Tyson Williams and maybe you explored trading, but you know what? You go, he's worth more than this. Whatever you th- could get or what you tried to get, it didn't work after week one or before week one. Where do you stand now, though? You have Tyson Williams. You're not that excited about it. You can't start him. I don't even know if he's an injury away, to be fair, uh, from feeling comfortable in your lineup. Do you say, I'm just going to hold? I think he's a decent running back, and like I'm just going to have the roster spot. He's nowhere near my lineup. I, I can't trade him. Like, Or would you say, here's what I think I can get, and I, I, I got to make a deal? I think if somebody were to give me back my waiver wire bucks, I would take it. Mm. Uh, but it depends on the league. I don't have, like, if it's a deep league and there's no waiver wire people at all, I'm keeping him just because. Because he's a live body that's shown something. Exactly. But if it's a shallower league, I'm fine cutting him. You only spend waiver wire bucks. They're replenished every year. That's true. So what? No big deal. Well, you, you, probably, you, may, you probably get a third. I mean, I, I would, well, if you can't maybe, get the waiver I bucks. Doubt, so. I 
doubt you, you doubt you it with the third in a shallow leak because it, right. it's the same boat. You're in the same boat as all the other owners. They're not going gotcha. to have room on the roster. Uh, well, and get, the waiver, and get in the waiver dollars. I mean, this week you might have looks at, at relevant running backs that could pop a little bit and you think have a higher calculus. The, the one thing I didn't mention a minute ago that bothers me is no matter who is the guy, if there is a the guy here, they're not being used in the passing game. They've had one week, all the running backs combined, they've had one week with one running back that's been over a 10% target share. That's horrible. They don't have a passing quarterback though. No, I know. So, (laughs) but no, but so the volume isn't even there. The volume isn't even there, even if they had one. So you would still be complaining it's touchdown or bust. And Lamar Jackson is regularly used in the red zone. So this is not a good equation for anybody to be, I would say even a top 20 play in a given week, like, and Latavius Murray, I mean, if he pops on a week, this might be your last moment for a guy that I think he's 31, about to turn 32. Love the guy. But if he pops to the point you can go third to second because someone's in a bye week and injury hell situation, then I'm all for that. Because I don't, you know, I don't know what, like, like you said, I don't know where, where we're playing here. Like, there's no end game. Like, Le'Veon Bell, I think what we saw last week, I don't know if that develops into anything of anything. So, Moving them on for a waiver play of the week. If you play streaming tight ends, like you mentioned, trading one of these guys for waiver dollars, I'm fine with all that because I just think you're going down a dead end road here. Yeah, I mean, shop before you drop, but in the shallower leagues, if there's somebody else on the waiver wire, it's basically you're making a trade with the waiver wire. If if you can't get anything else. You're staying flexible to spend. and, And even if... You know, I don't like to get to the end of the road and you have a bunch of waiver dollars left over. That's not the plan. You know, you don't, I don't spend big in week one just so I don't do that. But what it means though, is if you get an extra 10% waiver dollars, it just means whether you're streaming defenses, whether something crops up later in the season, backup quarterbacks and super flex, whatever it is, you can then spend more aggressively all the time. Be like, oh, well, I would normally bid this, but I like the guy. Let me spend an extra you know, two, 3%. Let me, let me goose it to make sure or have a much better shot of getting them. So that's what it does. It can do that for two months straight. And now you don't have, it also clears a roster spot. Like again, I mean, this isn't a clarified backup situation. Uh, I mean, you have these, these, you know, with the bears, for example, I mean, you know, picking up Khalil Herbert, you get a little window here, you know, that I think there's more upside in taking a shot on him for the next month or so of what if Damian Williams isn't healthy or, you know, all these scenarios where you're like, Hey, I got clarity with something. And I just don't think you're going to ever have clarity. And there's not a profile here that you gravitate towards. It's a one year play because Edwards is locked in with his contract. Dobbins, one of the two of them, at least is going to be close to good to go or second Barkley, like, you know, ramping up as week one starts. But the point is all these guys are probably irrelevant. Absolutely. All right. Uh, wanted to do the uh, uh, a Devi minute. So we actually talked Devi on our uh, on our texts and things like that throughout the week. We haven't done a formal Devi show. We'll probably do a twenty two uh, mock draft here, maybe in another uh, few weeks or something. But uh, we have a lot of college stuff. Is there one thing, whether it's the Devi specific landscape, college football, a player that kind of stands out to you positively or negatively that uh, you wanted to highlight in uh, in this closing segment? Absolutely. Uh, Debbie is as much a patient's play as dynasty fantasy football. And 
I'm not looking for a guy that's going to be a great college player. I'm looking for a guy that's going to be fantasy relevant on my fantasy team or somebody that I can trade for a bigger package than what I spent on him in in the first place. And one of the guys, I don't know exactly why he's being talked about as not even a first round NFL pick next year is Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. The guy's five and oh, he's got a 76.3% completion rate. He's got 158 as a quarterback rating, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions. His adjusted yards per attempt is over. It's a, it's over the minimum benchmark that you would want to see. I just don't get it. He's still Spencer Rattler. He still can throw the ball with the quickest release and very deep ball. Uh, Oklahoma is different from last year. Things do change. He's only down about 275 yards from what he was at game five last year. But at game five last year, he had thrown five interceptions instead of four. He had more touchdowns, but he was three and two. And then he didn't lose a game the rest of the season and really went on a tear. Don't let the small sample size or the little peaks and valleys, if you like a player in Debbie especially, and you believe in their traits, which I do with Spencer Rattler, don't get spooked by all the noise because there is a bunch of noise going on. And that's all I have to say about that. I I will say a couple things with my last words. Um, I will be a special guest on the Debbie Huddle tonight, so I'll get – another hour or so of talking just college football. Nice. You'll see nice. me tweet that out tomorrow and retweet. So be, be on the lookout for some really high-end Debbie content. Brandon Lejeune does a great job, and he's been compiling some Debbie ADP. I did my first set of 300 ranking 300 Debbie players, which he intends to update monthly and post. So that was an interesting project. And also just it's my birthday tomorrow. And I'll be 57. I just want to thank everybody that's been part of my life. As I think about it, that, you know, the older I get, the more trips around the sun, the more thankful I am just to be alive and healthy and happy. And I have a lot of great hobbies. I've got a great job. I'm thankful for you all for listening and and the interactions that I've had with you through the years. So uh, just kind of in that kind of mood, Chad, just, Thinking back to everything. Happy birthday, Katie. Thank you. My uh, my wow. Dovey thought here, I want to give a shout out to a guy that I've been following for a long, long time. And this has become the perfect storm uh, in 2021. It hasn't been the uh, straightest road to get here. But Brian Robinson for Alabama. I mean, what a story. I, I still remember him going proactively by his own choice to a loaded Alabama depth chart as not a five-star recruit, and they get ones every year. They can get multiple if they want them. And he goes there, local kid, loves the program, probably didn't even think about going anywhere else if he's able to go there. And he goes there, and he sits, and he mires. Not a whole lot of playing time. I'm imagining he played on special teams a ton. And he gets all the way to this year. And by the way, in those spring workouts, he had some monster guys going the first round of the NFL draft, big-time players. And he had the, some of the best spring workouts over this four to five year sample. Brian Robinson waits. He finds his time. At moments, maybe he's the running back two or the running back three. This year, the perfect storm hits. And Jace McClelland, who is going to be out for the rest of the year. So he'll be back uh, better than ever in 2022. 
but he was basically that 1A, 1B, you know, in terms of their rotation. It's now all on Brian Robinson. He was already having a good year. He has a chance to put a landmark season together on a guy that, yes, he's older. Yes, he's not going to have a, a strong projection model outlook. Why? Well, he hasn't really produced a ton till this year, but he's going to post. And I know some guys come out of Alabama not posting and they still go pretty high, Josh Jacobs. So when we talk about profiles for the NFL, this guy's over 220 pounds. He can do everything. He's a power runner. He's got the requisite athleticism for the next level. He has a golden opportunity here to put together a couple months. And I can't wait to see how the story ends. Is he a critical element of them winning a national title? Does he go from people not thinking about him for three plus years to a guy you're talking about in a pretty ambiguous 22 running back class of a guy where you hear on a lot of mainstream draft shows when they rattle off 10 running backs for possible day two or higher selections. I can't wait. And that's what makes Devi fun because like you, you know, you kind of think about, you know, just longer range and macro stuff that, you know, I, I still remember thinking about Brian Robinson drafting him four or five years ago in some of these deeper Devi leagues and to, for to, it to come all the way to him being the starter at Alabama. And I remember the story, but I was like, I trust the player. I like the profile here. I'm, I'm not surprised at all. He didn't transfer. And I think he would have gone all the way through and be happy. And he would have been a better NFL projection than he ever got opportunity wise with no injuries around him, like Trey Sanders now with Jason McClellan, all this stuff. But I just, I want to shout out Brian Robinson. When you watch Alabama games uh, from now till the end of the season, just remember, you know, he's a guy that like everything is working in his favor in terms of this is where I want to go. I don't care. I embrace the competition. He's done everything the right way. He's put in tons of reps. He's been buried behind five-star guys pretty much throughout. And, you know, guys like Josh Jacobs percolating up and being relevant for a month or two at their peak. And he's, he's, he's uh, prevailed through all of it. So shout out to Brian, Brian Robinson there with Alabama. So if you, if you catch a, a game, don't be surprised. He's the lead back and should be, and it's well-warranted and it's a long time coming for the, the 23-year-old and uh, he'll be a 24-year-old during the uh, draft process next year. Finally, we got UTH Best Ball Contest winner for the week in week four, John Fratz. Uh, he had a big week. Sam Darnold has, has been a revelation with his rushing touchdowns, specifically in the opening month. We got James Conner with a couple of touchdowns and uh, his tight ends. CJ Uzama, you want to talk about coming out of the woodwork in a format where you can put up 30 plus. That's exactly what Uzama did. Zach Ertz is back and healthy. Good to see Jared Cook monster game and Moali Cox, couple touchdowns as well. So perfect storm outcome for John. Shout out to him for taking down the contest this week. And the overall standings, uh, we have uh, Jordan McNamara up at the top. Uh, it, it's pretty close, you know, for the top five to 10 here. And I got out of the, the weeds. I'm not last anymore, but I'm not that far off. Uh, Katie, you're a little ahead of me. And uh, Tim, maybe for the first time in the contest history, beating both of us at present, he's in the middle of a pack. Uh, we've, so we've got Jordan, we've got Brad Douglas, we got Grant Mulig, and we've got uh, Cameron there in the top four. And uh, again, big time contest. Thanks so much for all the super fans that are in there competing against us. And uh, let's see if Jordan can take uh, the, the, the staff and the expert uh, title and continue that as Katie's held it for, for quite a while in this contest history. All well, it's right. either been Jordan or me. So it's kind of, you know, right. handing the reins back and forth. There you go. And a uh, reminder, Katie said she's going to be on the, another Devi show this week. So you can catch that 
follow and, and get all those links that you need to catch the show uh, at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons between episodes. And again, you can catch bonus content as uh, pay, as a patron at patreon.com slash UTH. Tim Torch does a show. I do a lot of bonus content over there. And uh, all of the premium shows, there's Running Back Roundup on a weekly basis. There's the UTH Film Notes show available Monday morning with everything you need to know from every single game from the Dynasty Lens of what is happening. And those are some of the cornerstone pieces of content audio-wise that you can catch as the general manager subscriber at UTHDynasty.com. All right, so next, uh, catch everybody next week. For Katie, myself, Chad, until next time, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. Even my idiot brain can understand that. <laughs> <laughs>